Why does American democracy look the way it does today? And how can we make it more responsive to the people it was formed to serve? I'm Simone Leeper, and this is Democracy Decoded, a podcast where we examine our government and discuss innovative ideas that could lead to a stronger, more transparent, accountable, and inclusive democracy. If you're like me, you're probably a bit frustrated with the state of our political system today. There's no getting around it. There's a lot to be frustrated about, from healthcare to jobs to taxes. We often feel like our government isn't listening to or effectively addressing the main concerns facing our country. Among the key frustrations that Americans have, and one which connects to almost every issue we care about, is the way money works in our political system. Campaign spending has ballooned in recent years, to the point where wealthy special interests are drowning out the voices of everyday Americans. How can we protect our First Amendment right to have our voices heard? Can we truly trust the motivations of those in power? These are issues that Campaign Legal Center, my organization, grapples with on a daily basis. And we have a lot of expertise and experience to share on money and politics and campaign finance. In this six-part series, we'll take a deep dive into the forces fueling our elections, not just in our nation's capital, but at all levels of government. We'll look at the effects of secret money, also known as dark money, at both the federal and state levels, explore ways that foreign governments are using secret spending to attempt to influence American elections, and investigate the fight against the outsized influence wealthy special interests have on local elections. So come with me on a journey where we'll delve into the nuts and bolts of our campaign finance system to discover what parts of it work only for a small elite group and what we can do to better protect the rights of every American to have a voice in our democracy. Before we get into the specifics, we're going to start with some of the basics. How does our campaign finance system even work? To learn more about that, I spoke with Trevor Potter, president and founder of Campaign Legal Center who has been working on these issues for decades. I started in the field as a senior lawyer for the first President Bush's campaign. I was appointed a commissioner of the Federal Election Commission, and following that was an outside advisor to Senator John McCain on the McCain-Feingold law as it went through Congress. I also was Senator McCain's general counsel for his two presidential Uh, campaigns. Trevor had an interesting story of his own to tell. Former chairman of the Federal Election Commission and general counsel for the McCain Campaign 08, Trevor Potter. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Potter. Most famously involving a collaboration with comedian Stephen Colbert, a super PAC, and appearances on national TV. Before we get into all that, I wanted to know what he thinks of the changes that our campaign finance system has undergone since his time at the Federal Election Commission. When I started with the first President Bush's campaign, presidential campaigns were fully publicly funded in the general election and publicly funded with matching funds in the primary. In those elections, there was almost no outside spending, and what spending there was was fully disclosed. For context, the 2012 election cycle cost $6.3 billion at the federal level, a record at the time. Less than 10 years later, the 2020 election cost over $14.4 billion, 
with the presidential contest alone costing $5.7 billion. Those stats are coming from opensecrets.org. Today, we have a huge amount of what's called outside money, which is often simply undisclosed money spent illegally, in my view, in coordination with candidates. So we have a system with corporate money freely spent, labor money freely spent, illegal coordination occurring, secret undisclosed sources of that funding, the possibility of foreign money in our elections, and we routinely see some of that, but a lot of it is happening behind the scenes. So how is all this possible? Well, it has to do with the way our campaign finance system is set up and the laws governing things like PACs, super PACs, and 501c4s. PAC is an acronym standing for Political Action Committee. But what does that mean? Well, in 2010, Stephen Colbert of the late night show The Colbert Report had the same question. Why would you form a PAC? Why wouldn't I just give money to a candidate? Stephen had a mock political commercial. And at the end of it, his uh, staff had said, well, these things all say paid for by. Who is it paid for by? What do we put there? And he said, well, just say paid for by Colbert Pack. So they did. And the show went well. The next day, he got a call from the general counsel of Comedy Central that said, great show last night. Really enjoyed watching it. By the way, that business about Colbert Pack, that was funny, but you just need to understand you can't have a pack. So Colbert hung up and turned to his staff and said, what was that about? What does he mean I can't have a pack? What is a PAC? Find me someone who can explain this. So Trevor gets a call out of the blue from Stephen Colbert's staff. One thing leads to another, and he finds himself sitting down with Stephen on the Colbert Report, explaining what PACs, super PACs, and 501c4s are to millions of Americans. Now, at this point, some of you may be wondering, what is Colbert PAC? Well, get in line, because I have no idea. <laughs> Let's start with some basics here. What is a PAC? It's a group of individuals who get together and raise and spend money to elect or defeat a candidate, sometimes by contributing to them directly, sometimes by taking out television advertising independently to talk about them or issues that the PAC is uh, focused on. PACs can spend money on ads promoting a candidate or issue, but there are limits on who can donate to PACs and how much they can donate. For example, PACs can't receive corporate donations and individuals can't donate more than $5,000 per year to a particular PAC. Or at least that was true for traditional PACs as originally created by Congress. But in 2010, a Supreme Court decision upended all of that, and a new entity burst onto the scene, the Super PAC. What's a Super PAC? Is that like a, a PAC that got bitten by a radioactive lobbyist? <laughs> well, you'll remember that last year there was a uh over the Supreme Court's decision in the Citizens United case. Oh, that said that uh, corporations are people and people have free speech, therefore money is speech and corporations can give unlimited money to political issues. So the Federal Election Commission created last summer uh, what they call a independent expenditure only committee, which is commonly known as a super PAC. So Colbert created a super PAC. Are you ready for Colbert Super PAC? And then having done that, it went through a series of episodes where it raised money and spent money. And the point of it was to illustrate the holes in the campaign finance system. I, I was willing to do this because I thought there were holes and it needed to be fixed. And he was willing to do it because he wanted to explain 
what in the world these super PACs were and how they got away with raising and spending all of this money. So how do they get away with it? I mean, even if super PACs can spend money in unlimited amounts and raise that money from previously inaccessible sources, they are still required by law to reveal who their donors are. But corporations and other wealthy special interests are somehow spending money to influence political campaigns in secret. How does that happen? Trevor, I've got all these people that have been giving me money, individual Americans, but I haven't gotten any of the big corporate money. That's why I have a super PAC. Why wouldn't a corporation give money? Well, they'd be nervous about giving in a way that their name is publicly disclosed. People might object to what they've done, their shareholders, uh, their customers. Okay, so that's where a C4 comes in. A corporation or an individual can give to a C4 and nobody gets to know that they did it, that's right? That's right. A 501c4 is a particular type of nonprofit organization that is not required to disclose who donates to it. Can I take this C4 money and then donate it to my super PAC? You can. In recent years, many 501c4s have been created solely in order to receive donations from wealthy special interests and funnel that money into super PACs. So I can take secret donations of my C4 and give it to my supposedly transparent super PAC. And it'll say, given by your C4. Super PACs have to disclose if they receive a donation from a 501c4, but the real human donors that donated to the 501c4 in the first place can remain anonymous. What is the difference between that and money laundering? <laughs> it's hard to say. It seems crazy to me that all of this is completely legal, and it really leaves me wondering, what's the impact of all this? Turns out, that a lot of that spending is not in any way independent in the way the Supreme Court described it. What we're seeing is a lot of spending by these so-called outside groups that is at the request of a candidate, the candidate helps raise the money, the fundraising is done by the candidate's chief fundraiser, the head of the independent group is closely associated with the candidate, was a former campaign manager, a relative of the candidate, and you end up with exactly what the Supreme Court said was the problem, namely very close linkage between raising and spending large sums of money and the candidate and the party. Effectively, the whole idea of non-corrupting independent speech has been perverted into very corrupt political raising and spending of funds in close coordination with a candidate. And yet, it is happening in front of us because the Federal Election Commission deadlocks on these issues and there is not sufficient barriers to prevent candidates and these outside groups from coordinating with each other. Do a lot of people go to jail for breaking the law with their PACs? No. How, can you name anyone who has gone to jail for breaking the law with their PACs? Not a person. <laughs> That's my kind of law. I'm starting to get the sense that there's a culture of impunity in our campaign finance system. That people can seemingly get away with a lot. That brings us to the Federal Election Commission, or FEC for short. This is the federal government agency that Trevor served on and chaired back in the 1990s. First, what is the Federal Election Commission? The Federal Election Commission is the only government agency 
whose sole responsibility is overseeing the integrity of our political campaigns. The FEC is responsible for enforcing the laws that govern our campaign finance system for federal campaigns. That's specifically for Congress and the presidency. I'm willing to bet that a lot of people have never heard of the FEC before. And importantly, I'd bet most Americans have no idea who is running it and making these impactful decisions. I've always been pretty plugged in with politics, but I didn't have much of an understanding of it until I spent a summer volunteering for a congressional campaign. I can assure you nobody knows who commissioners are, and that is because the entities that are directly regulated by the FEC, which is to say members of Congress and federal candidates and party committees, are the ones who are so immediately affected by it, and they tend to be the ones who are involved in the process of selecting commissioners. And all of that happens behind the scenes. It's an unknown agency. And only when it really has broken down, as it has now, do people pay attention to it. So the FEC is supposed to enforce campaign finance laws at the federal level and ensure bad actors are held accountable. But over the past decade, the agency has repeatedly failed to do its job. And this has had consequences. The failure of the FEC to enforce campaign finance laws has resulted in an explosion in secret spending. And our politics are increasingly rigged in favor of special interests. We need a strong federal election commission to protect our First Amendment rights, including the right to have our voices heard in elections. It's clear that voters have a reason to care about the FEC's failures, which we'll get into in more detail in a later episode. And it often seems like the cards in Washington are stacked against making changes to our campaign finance laws. But Trevor was there in the room when a significant campaign finance bill passed Congress in 2002. That was the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, known as BICRA or McCain-Feingold, after the two senators, Republican John McCain and Democrat Russ Feingold, who were major proponents of the legislation. Trevor shares his recollection, which starts after the 2000 presidential election when he was working for McCain. After that election, he went back to the Senate and really worked hard to pass what we call McCain-Feingold. He did so with significant Republican support in the Senate and the House. He needed to get 60 votes to beat back the filibuster, and he did get 60 votes. One of the aspects of that bill that was, to me, fascinating, and I think largely unprecedented, is that he went across the Capitol, which senators do not do, and he actually lobbied members of the House late into the night from rooms off the House floor while the Republican leadership was lobbying members the other way. Republican members of the Federal Election Commission, again in an unprecedented move, actually went to the Hill to lobby against the bill. So we had all of us in back rooms in the House. I was at McCain's side talking to members and explaining the provisions. There were Republican commissioners in the leadership office explaining them the other way or disagreeing. But it's very unusual to have a senator cross the Hill and be welcomed by members of the House and engage in effectively the House debate. Before we close, I had to ask Trevor, why does he care? What has motivated Trevor to continue working on these issues over the course of his career? I think as somebody who 
grew up really interested in American history and the, the story of how we've, over time, become the country we are and how we have grown to be more inclusive in terms of who citizens are, who voters are. I really believe in our democracy. And then as a lawyer, understanding the Constitution and studying it and our system of government, what I've come to appreciate is it only works if citizens actually are invested in it, meaning they vote, they are involved in elections, and they believe in the integrity of the process. And I think the greatest danger is disillusionment. And if they don't have faith in the government, then they won't vote and participate, or they won't trust the results. And that, I think, all goes back to the amounts of money in politics, the way it is raised and spent, disclosure of funding so that people can monitor donations to candidates. Trevor answered a lot of the questions I had about how money affects our political system. But his answers also left me with a lot more questions that I still wanted to explore. How did our system end up this way? What happened along the path from the Founding Fathers' vision for our country to turn our campaign finance system into what it is today? In the next episode, we'll rewind to take a look at some of the most important historical events that helped shape our current campaign finance laws to better understand how it's possible that we've ended up in our current predicament. Special thanks to Trevor Potter for appearing in this episode, as well as to Stephen Colbert and Comedy Central for providing clips from the Colbert Report. You can find links to these clips in the show notes, along with additional background information on the topics discussed and a full transcript of the show. This podcast was produced and written by Casey Atkins and Brendan Quinn, with additional script writing by Brian Dewan. It was edited by Parker Podcasting and narrated by me, Simone Leeper. Democracy Decoded is a production of Campaign Legal Center, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization which advances democracy through law at the federal, state, and local levels, fighting for every American's right to responsive government and a fair opportunity to participate in and affect the democratic process. You can visit us on the web at campaignlegalcenter.org.